You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. It doesn't seem that long ago this relationship was in a better place at a different stage. Just three short months ago, we were celebrating his birth, giving wrapped presents to each other in our best efforts to express how the world received the greatest gift of all, the incarnation, the very presence of God come down for us and with us, the mystery of divinity wrapped in the vulnerability of our humanity. But now, the singing of beautiful, joyous carols has been muted by bloodthirsty, violent shouts of rage. Jesus invited us into a relationship, a relationship with him, to come and see, to follow me. That journey which began this year on Valentine's Day ends here where it started, in ashes, ashes in the shape of a cross. Oh, how he loves us, but we love him not. To the bitter end, Jesus whispers, be mine, but we insist on breaking up. All the signs are there, the kiss of betrayal, the repeated tear-filled denial, the cruel lies, the self-satisfied mocking, And of course, the total abandonment. We hold nothing back as we seek to break God's heart. And Jesus takes it all. He becomes broken. So we can at last become whole. Here, we find ourselves in the shadow of truth. The light of day may be obscured by the cover of darkness. But as shady as it it all gets... The light of the world still burns bright. The truth cannot be denied here, even in the shadow of the cross. And the truth is, this relationship goes way back. More than six months, more than three months, more than 2,000 plus years. This relationship goes all the way back to the beginning. The real scene of the crime isn't here on Calvary. It was in a garden called Eden in a place where everything was good, very good. Something went terribly wrong. A divine proposal was rejected. God, our creator, offered us an everlasting relationship with him. Instead, we chose to face life alone, to dance to the beat of our own drum. The great divorce was initiated there. Paradise was lost the moment we went our own way. Before that road not taken, we all died. Died to what could have been. Died to the kind of life we were meant to live. The truth is, it's been a long breakup. 
a continued separation for a while. We like to tell ourselves, everything's fine. We're fine. We're doing great on our own. Rarely are we honest with ourselves, let alone with others, about how we're really doing. The truth is, we're not fine. Everybody hurts. We're all struggling in one way or another, carrying some pain of the past or the present or some anxiety about the future. This world is a mess. And whether we care to admit it or not, it's a mess of our own making. Apart from God, much of our pleasure, our privilege, comes at the expense, the pain of another person. And the price of our gain at the cost of someone else's loss doesn't just hurt them. It inevitably, somewhere down the line, takes its toll on us too. In the beginning, back in the garden, we hid from our guilt and our shame. We've never stopped hiding. Rather than take responsibility for being our own worst enemy, we live in denial. Do you ever notice how whenever we're not happy, we're not content, it's always somebody else's fault. Yet when it's someone else who's not happy, who's not content, it's always their problem and not ours. Somewhere in the contradiction between these two extremes is the undeniable evidence of human sin. The blame game started when paradise was lost. She's to blame. He's to blame. And we've been finding fault with each other ever since. And from the start, the largest and easiest target to blame has always been God. When things are going great, the way we want them to be, God is good. But when they're not, not good. Not going the way we wanted, the way we expected, hey, the way we planned, the way we prayed, it's God's fault. When God shows up and doesn't say what we want to hear, when God gets close and reveals things we don't want to see, when God gives us signs, but they're not the wonders we demanded, we curse and reject God. The truth is, the cross isn't the first time we've blamed and turned our backs on God, and it won't be the last. The cross is but the stake in the ground of human history, the undeniable revelation of just how far we'll go to hide from our responsibility in this relationship, of just how far gone we are in addiction to blaming the other person, particularly God. And exactly how far is that? Far enough to make a mockery of the law. Far enough to condemn an innocent man. Far enough not just to inflict unmerited suffering, but to take sick pleasure in it. Far enough to be willing to kill, to bury the truth, rather than face it. That's how far we'll go. That's how far gone we are. But the truth of the cross is also about how far God is willing to go for us. There are two sides to the story of every relationship. 
The cross presents the reality of both. On the one hand, we witness the depths of human denial, depravity, violence laid bare. On the other hand, we look to the cross and recognize here is, as Paul writes, God reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. The truth is, God has been leading everything that has preceded our relationship to this moment. From the very beginning, our tragic start notwithstanding, despite our heartbreaking split, and even though we've just continued to stumble in the dark, God has been laying the groundwork for us to get back together, to regain what we've lost, to be resurrected from the death of all we gave away. And that master plan, that greatest of stories, comes to its zenith in the most unlikely of places and in the most unanticipated of ways. In other words, what's happening here isn't as much something we're doing to God as God in Christ is doing for us. The crucifixion is what we did to Jesus, but the work of the cross is the Father's reply. Whereas we thought we were killing Jesus, Jesus was willingly offering his life to us, taking all the rage, taking all the hatred, taking all the shame of our sin, the worst parts of ourselves, and binding himself to us. What we intended as our final breakup, God used as the means for us to make up on the darkest of days, when all seemed lost and hopeless, in the bleakest of moments, the light of the world continues to shine brightly as Jesus shows us nothing, nothing is impossible with God. In spite of who we are, whatever it is we have done or whatever has been done unto us, even when there is no hope for us to grasp, God reaches out in Christ and grasps us. Why? Why? Some have said, deduced, the reason is the law. The disobedience of sin leaves red on God's ledger. Someone has to address the deficit, pay the butcher's bill. The wages of sin are death, so someone has to die, but not just anyone. Someone who wasn't already in debt. Someone who didn't deserve to die. While there may be some validity to this theory, it is definitely not the whole truth. It is also arguably not even where we ought to put the weight of the meaning of the cross. To be clear, God is serious about sin. The Lord takes our rejection, our rebellion, and all the pain, suffering, and chaos that ensue because of it seriously. However, such seriousness emerges out of the fact that the Lord does not want us to suffer. God himself declares through his word, his desire is that none should perish. God created all of this, all of us, not merely to survive, but to thrive, to flourish together. The truth is, the work of the cross is about so much more than the granting of forgiveness the commission of a sentence, a death row pardon, or a stay of execution. With arms open wide, divine forgiveness through Jesus is offered here, yes. 
But the complete message, the full answer of the cross is ultimately about the defeat of the powers of evil. The evil that we do. The evil within ourselves that has kept not just your life or mine, but this entire world in captivity. Here on the cross, the word made flesh becomes the crucified lamb of God in order to save the universe. Redeeming, reconciling, restoring this whole creation, offering us the full, abundant, everlasting life for which we were created. This is the why of the cross, of the gospel. And if this why is driven by the law, as some say, then it's only driven by one law, the summation of all law, which is love. Here at the cross, the greatest commandment, the commandment to love is revealed not through a parable, a fictional story, but live and in color, on display in the flesh. Here at the cross, we break this commandment, and Jesus fulfills it. His dying words aren't an admission of defeat, but a declaration of victory. Here at the cross, we fail to love our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But here at the cross, Jesus loves us fully as more than neighbors. The Apostle John put it this way, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The why of the, of the cross, the why of the gospel, beloved, is true love. Jesus doesn't offer his life and bear the burden of those who embrace and accept him. No, scourged by the prejudices and injustice of politics, spit upon by the hypocrisy and hard-heartedness of legalistic and mean-spirited religion, slapped in the face by the betrayal, denial, and abandonment of those he called friends, God in Christ lovingly extends unmerited forgiveness rather than deserved condemnation to us to those who receive him not, to those who know not what they do. Even as his self-professed enemies, Jesus loves unto death for our sake, for our good, and the good of all the world. Jesus' sacrifice is perfect because it encompasses all of the common and uncommon crosses of the human experience. Betrayal, despair, physical pain, poverty, fear, abuse, rejection, seeming failure, loss, and death. Our God revealed in Christ unexpectedly comes into the middle of our mess, the pains and sorrows of this world, and lovingly takes their full force upon himself to set us free from them. This is why today is called Good Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Because today we see. Today we receive, maybe for the first time in our lives, true love perfectly beautiful, wholly complete, utterly unconditional, absolutely unconquerable, fully everlasting, and therefore true love. What shall we do in response to such love? Love like this. Shed a few tears. 
offer a prayer of thanksgiving and just go home? Profess we believe in such love, sing about it now again on a Sunday and simply go on with our lives? Love like this? Real love, true love looks to be requited, extended, expanded, stretched deeper and wider ever onward into eternity. In the stunning revelation of this moment, recognizing Jesus meant what he said, that his purpose, God's purpose, was to die so we could be born and raised to new life, there is perhaps an even more shocking realization. Love begets love. Hanging there, suspended over us with arms wide open, Jesus looks us all in the eyes and beckons us once again, once and for all, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to love ourselves, and to love God. What Jesus accomplishes here on the cross is to be manifest, shared, spread, and cultivated through us. He told us this last night, didn't he? He told us this last night after washing our feet and feeding us at the table. Acts initiated to help us understand what he is doing for us now. How he is making us clean. How he is giving us life. How what we intended for evil, God once again purposes for good. Last night, Jesus told us the cross was about more than what he was going to do for us. It was also about what he sought to do through us. I have set an example for you, he said. Humble yourselves and serve each other. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. My friends, we are not merely spectators here at the cross. We are disciples of the cross. The Apostle Paul once perceived it this way, I have been crucified with Christ, and I live now not by my own life, but with the life of Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and sacrificed himself for my sake. Beloved, our calling is not just to thank Jesus for the cross, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through our life, work, and witness to take up his cross, our cross, and follow him, becoming prophets, priests, and ambassadors of the kingdom, of the everlasting reign of love of God. We demonstrate this great love of God. We reflect the life-changing power of the cross by doing the work of Jesus, dying to ourselves and rising to him, being conformed so completely to Christ that we gain the will and the courage to enter and help carry the cross of our neighbor. For it is in choosing to walk with those who suffer enlightening the load of one another that we not only share the love of Jesus, but that our capacity for the love of Christ is expanded. 
So here we gather once again in the dark, and in the dark, in the shadow of the cross, the truth is revealed. The truth is everything that's wrong in this world and in our lives has been painstakingly narrowed down and mockingly nailed to the body of one man named Jesus, who also happened to be God. But thankfully, that's not the whole story. This one named Jesus, who we try to put down once and for all, isn't so much handed over to us as he comes willing to die. God in Christ purposefully came down in order to be strung up, sacrificially and perfectly bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders, crucified and bled dry for it, so we might live. And the full truth is he did it all for love. So despite the darkness here and now, true love shines brighter. It cascades over and sanctifies a broken and weary universe. Even when all the other lights go out, don't kid yourself. The true love of the light that is Christ will never be extinguished. Jesus never pulls us in without sending us out. So as we leave this place in just a few moments in silence, let us leave this place broken but not unhealed. Let us leave this place carrying the cross, his cross, not in terminal sadness, but with defiant hope. Let's leave this place and move forward, compelled to follow and move to share true love. True love that will rise. The true love of God. The true love that is God, revealed. Jesus Christ.